Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Morning. It's good to be here. Beautiful time of worship this morning. And uh, But before we move on, I'd just like us to take a moment where we pray and you have an opportunity just to still your heart and mind and be prepared for what God wants to say to you and to all of us collectively. So, Father, we come to you now and we bring ourselves to you. We pray, Lord, that you will um, still our hearts and minds. Open our eyes. Show us, Lord, where we may not have seen you and we thought we had. Show us where we may not be like you and we think we are. Show us, Father, how you would like us to surrender ourselves to you so that we can be transformed and we can grow to become more like you and give glory to you every everything we do and say and think. May we be transformed into willing servants of yours who will bring your hope into this world. May we humble ourselves before you that you may be honoured and glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story we're looking at today <clears throat> is in Acts chapter 4, but I want to give you a bit of a backstory so that you get it into focus, what it's, what it's all about. Because what we're looking at today is how followers of Jesus think, what they expect. And sometimes we can look at stories like we're about to read and you create a formula for, for yourself from them. But I really believe God is, is um, it says in Romans 12 that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. In other words, we're transformed by the way we think. And uh, each one of us has a way of thinking. And if we think our way of thinking is perfectly right, we're perfectly wrong. Because you're spending your whole life being transformed into the likeness of Jesus and your way of thinking won't become perfectly right till you see him face to face. And so as we go through this, sometimes you can have a way of thinking and you think it's right and then God does something and you realise, wow, there's more or maybe I was even wrong. He is transforming us step by step. And whether you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus yet or you're still learning what that means to be a follower of Jesus, for each one of us today, he wants to say something to us personally because only he and you, not even you sometimes, know where you are in the way you think. Only he knows. So what's he going to do? Well, I believe he's transforming us to really be followers of who he is. I was speaking to a group recently about the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I was just focusing on this one line of forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And that word sin is actually the word debt. So it really means that um, we owe God things and we, we owe other people things. And uh, we are to forgive the debt. And uh, without going into that message, that was kind of the essence of it. And what I was saying is that so as a follower of Jesus, we are forgivers of debts. And we follow Jesus like this. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, which means it might be hard, but we have to follow him in obedience to God. That's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. It was in obedience to God. It wasn't easy, but it was obedience to God. And so he followed him. And when he hung on the cross, he looked at all the people who were crucifying him and he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. And that's what a follower of Jesus looks like. They follow Jesus. They actually follow him. They take up their cross and they forgive even those who don't don't know what what they're doing and I said God is calling us to be his oh, sorry <clears throat> his followers and uh, someone came up to him at the end and said 
Imagine if we're actually all followers of Jesus. Imagine that. If we're actually all followers of Jesus, rather than being, sometimes we think we're followers of Jesus and we can be nice religious people. We come to church on Sunday, but we're actually not necessarily following Jesus, taking up our cross and following him. And I think in this story, we're getting another picture of what a follower of Jesus really looks like. And so rather looking at it and just saying, this is a formula to follow, let's look at it and say, how did they think and how did they get to think like that? Because this is what a follower of Jesus looks like. So in this story, you have a story about two men called Peter and John who are followers of Jesus. And the backstory is this. Before Jesus died and rose from the dead, they were two of his disciples or his followers or his apprentices, and he's training them up to prepare to bring God's good news into the world that he will bless us and through us all the nations of the earth will be blessed as we embrace his plans and his purposes for us, as we put our faith in his death and resurrection. They don't understand the whole thing when they're learning this. And, and the night that Jesus dies... Peter actually lies and someone says, you're a friend of his, and he says, no, I'm not. So he actually denies him. And yet, straight after the resurrection, he's back with Jesus. You might be here today and you might think, I'm a pretty hopeless follower of Jesus, and so you're in good company. There's all of us and there's Peter. And he was pretty hopeless as well until something extraordinary happened. So what I'm saying is before the death and the resurrection of Jesus, as um, as Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, says, he says in my first book where he tells the story of Jesus, he said, I'm, I told you all that Jesus began to do and teach, all Jesus did and taught, but now I'm telling you about the game changer. And you see, I think there's many of us as followers of Jesus who can be very satisfied, or maybe not satisfied, but just very used to learning everything that Jesus did and taught and loving it, but not having this power of the Holy Spirit. So you can you can read about what he did and taught, and it warms your heart. It's 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 amazing. It's life changing because it's changed the whole world. But you can read it and learn it and try really hard to do it. But Jesus said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And this is where everything started to change. This is where Peter, who lied about even being a friend of Jesus, eventually gave his life for him. Something happened in that man and it happened overnight. I was talking to someone recently and they were talking about their faith and they were worried that they might be losing their faith. And as we talked, I just felt to ask them, have you ever really experienced the Holy Spirit? And he hesitated and said, I'm not sure. Now, if you've actually, if you're here today and you've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you won't hesitate. And this is not saying, this is not saying someone is like, has more spiritual brownie points than others. It's just like saying, have you met my husband Graham? And you can say yes or no. Okay. It's, it's an experience that you have of the person of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes in my ups and downs of my spiritual life, I remember when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit and it changed everything, everything. Overnight, everything changed. My perspective of God, of the world and of myself changed. And even my purpose happened like that and I can still remember that experience. And so you can be um, just loving the teaching of Jesus, but you haven't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be filled with him by his Holy Spirit so that you can hear what he's saying and do what he's doing and be empowered to do what he did when he was on the earth. And the, the problem with this, I think that often, particularly in the Western church, we, we kind of dumb it down a little bit to make it everything that we can control, that we can make a plan for it. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you can't plan for it. All you can do is what these guys did. They sat and waited for the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. And they were filled to overflowing. They could speak in languages they'd never spoken in before. They could perform miracles. They could preach the gospel when they'd never even been trained to preach, although they had spent three years with Jesus, so they had been with the best teacher. And, uh, And everything changed. And rather than being timid liars, they became bold proclaimers of Jesus. Something changed. And this is what a follower of Jesus looks like. And so in this story, the Holy Spirit's come and the church is growing rapidly. And one day these two men, Peter and John, are going to the temple and they encounter a lame man. And they go up to the lame man and he wants money because he's a beggar. And they say to him, and if you've grown up in Sunday school, you would be able to sing it, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I could have said to you they prayed for him, but if I said they prayed for him, you would get this picture of them walking up, putting their hands on his shoulders and saying, dear God, please heal this man. But that's actually not what happened. They went over and they proclaimed healing over him in the name of Jesus and he got up and walked. That's what followers of Jesus do. And I think not many of us do that. But that's what followers of Jesus do because they're so sure of the power of God within them. Anyway, that happens and it causes a whole stir as it would in the city because this man who's always sitting at this gate, who's always lame, who's always begging, suddenly in an instant is right, is up and is walking. He's hugging Peter and John. Everyone's rushing to hear what's going on and naturally there's this massive stir. And so they start preaching the good news of Jesus, of his death and resurrection. You've put faith and trust in him. God will wash away all your sins. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. You will be a brand new person. And the chief priests and the elders do not like this. This this is not their religion. And this is a concern. And the biggest concern is the miracle because the miracle is actually showing that something powerful is happening. It's not just a, a nice new philosophy that people have. It's actually something that works. That's a concern. So they take them and they throw them into jail. Well, they try to work out what to do with them. And uh, they can't really pin anything on them because they haven't technically done anything wrong. A guy who was lame started walking again and they told them what they believe and what happened. And so it's technically wrong to them because they're proclaiming Jesus is the Messiah. But apart from that, there's nothing much they can do. But also they're really worried if they do imprison them, it'll create more riots because the people are loving this power of God that they're seeing. So they've got to to carefully balance this. So what they say is, look, we'll let you go. Just stop doing what you're doing, okay? No more miracles. No more preaching about Jesus. Just go home and live a nice, quiet life. Go back and start fishing or something again. And that's the backstory. Okay, so that's what we're up to. And this is what happened. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. 
Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, the temptation for us is to say, what was the formula here that ended up in um, the shaking of the Holy Spirit? And it's not a formula. It's a way of thinking. And how did they get to this way of thinking? So we, um, we Westerners particularly love formulas. And uh, God is removing formulas in this. And he is saying there's something else. It is a way of thinking that they prayed. So when you face a roadblock in life, what is your immediate way of thinking? My immediate way of thinking is not always like this. So how do we get this immediate way of thinking? What is their immediate way of thinking? So let's have a look at what they what they do. So firstly, it says they go back to their own people. And I think the first thing to know is that we need each other in prayer. There are times, there's, of course, and you see with Jesus, there's times where you need a lot of prayer, just you and God, but there's times when you need your own people to pray with and to be really honest with them. They go back and they reported everything and and they may not have had any answers. They just come back and report what happened. In um in my connect group recently we've been um really practicing praying the prayer of blessing and believing and building each other's faith up for different circumstances in our life and we're seeing God do extraordinary things among different people in our group and it's because we're praying together with our own people and I encourage you if you're in a connect group to do that and one of my one of the people in my connect group said to me today it's um it's because we're actually being really real with each other that we're allowed to see the power of God move through in our lives because we're bringing things out into the open things that we really yearn for the power of God to move and work in so coming to people for prayer is something that God has called us to do. These people waited for the Holy Spirit together, not in individual homes, and um, we're called to come back with our people and start praying together. And how do they pray? So it says this, they heard the news of what's going on and they together raised their voices in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. So the very first thing they do when they pray is this. They remind themselves of who God is and what he's done. They remind themselves of that. You know, often when we pray, we can remind ourselves of the problem and of how big it is. And we give more power to the problem than to God in our hearts and our minds. I know that. Well, you may not do that, but I'm very good at that um, in prayer, reminding God of the problem rather than of who he is. You see, what they're saying, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, when they pray that, God doesn't need to be reminded of that. So the reason that they're saying that is to remind themselves because they're human beings like you and me and like you and me, they know that we can get so easily distracted from the power of God. And so, you, But you walk outside on a starry night and you see the stars. We left our son and daughter-in-law's house last night and and it was, uh, and we looked up because there was not a lot of streetlights there. And Graham said, whoa, 
You can really see the stars here tonight. We just looked up at the beautiful stars last night. How amazing. I mean, you've seen them since you were born and you get used to them. But how amazing that there's stars floating up there in the sky. How on earth did that happen? How on earth did that happen that the sun rose again today? That the birds come back and sing in the trees every day? That the trees come out and blossom at the right time? That the whole ecology works together and if we spoil one part of it, everything starts to fall apart because everything is so amazingly intertwined. If you've read um, Bob and Evelyn McDonald's book, the devotional book on, on different aspects of nature, you're just blown away by the intricacies of nature. You can look at the, the small details of it or you can look at the massive pictures of it and we're all blown away by it, which is why you see so many um, images just around of just nature, nature. Have you ever gone somewhere and you've taken photos? Like the Durbans here, just been to New Zealand, amazing photos that Karen's put up. But what we experience with her photos is nothing compared to what they would have experienced standing on the mountaintops because there's something about that whole atmosphere. That is the power of God. And so when they say this very simple little prayer, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea, they probably didn't. This is reduced for us. But you need time to reflect on how amazing he is, just how amazing. And nature itself shows us how amazing he is. So even step in your backyard and there's nature there. That's the first thing they do. And you can do this by stepping out into nature. You can do it by proclaiming together the good things and by sharing the stories that you have from your past. Sometimes when I hit roadblocks, I have to actually make myself remember the amazing things that God has done in the past. And then to look at some at myself and realise sometimes I doubt that he might do them again. That leads us on to the next thing. They said, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So what they're doing here is they're quoting scripture back to God. Now he knows scripture as well. So he doesn't need to be reminded of it, but they're reminding themselves of the promises of God. And you need to have these promises planted in your heart. Sometimes I think we think we read the Bible just to um, please God or to understand it more intellectually. But when we read it, we actually get the promises planted deeply in our hearts and they stay there. And so I've been doing this practice recently since I've been teaching a lot more on the Lord's Prayer. There's this line that says, give us this day our daily bread. And that word daily actually only appears twice in the entire scriptures and that's in Matthew and Luke in the Lord's Prayer. It's written there twice. Only time in the entire scripture is an Aramaic word, which has been really hard to translate because it's such a powerful word. And it's not just, doesn't mean just, it's, it has the essence of meaning everything I need emotionally, physically, spiritually for the day. It's not just for your physical food, it's for everything that you need for that day. And when you wake up in the morning, God knows exactly what you're going to need for the day and you don't know. So I've begun this practice of sitting down and saying to the Lord, please give me what I need for the day. And very often he gives me a verse. And the only reason he can give me that verse is because for many, many years I've been planting those verses in my heart. And that's why they can come out. And I was just thinking of this the other day when something came out of the verse I hadn't thought of for ages and it was suddenly in my mind and I thought, I'm really glad that through otherwise people in my life I learnt just to sit and memorise 
or sing or whatever we do to get that scripture in our head because then it can be drawn out. It doesn't mean that God is not speaking to you. He is, but you have to open the prepare the way for him to be able to speak to you. And one of the ways you can prepare for him to speak to you is by planting the word, the promises in your heart. So the day that you need to remember them, they come to your mind as soon as the Holy Spirit prompts them, just like that. You may not have them in your heart and God will speak to you in other ways, but you are actually tuning your heart and your mind to hear his voice when you do that. That's what he longs to do. I remember reading a story once. There's a profound book called Sealed Orders by a woman called Agnes Sanford. And in it she talks about um, women who in the Second World War were getting together to pray for the men who were serving in the war. And one woman shared the story of her son who was trekking through the jungle and he heard the voice of God say to him, he heard a voice, he realised that it was the voice of God saying, jump, and he jumped and uh, the, the man who was with him kept walking and stepped onto a mine. And one of the women said, why didn't God speak to both of them? And Agnes said, I believe he did. But we have to be tuned into the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's important for all of us. Only you can practice, get people around you who will help you, but only you can practice tuning into the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you do that. Um, you can do that yourself or you can do that with others. And you've been doing that this morning. When you come together and worship, you're reminding yourself of the greatness of God and you're reminding yourself of his promises. And those songs stick in your heart. For those of you who've grown up in church, do you have songs that are still in your heart and mind from when you are a child? They stay there. And that's, that's the beauty of singing things, that the promises stay in your heart. And so practice doing that so that you have these promises in your heart so that when you come to pray, you can actually recall what it is. And if you're sitting here today and thinking, well, I didn't grow up, as, I didn't grow up in church, and don't panic, God, God knows. God knows, just take a time now just to find the promises of God and get them in your heart because God has drawn you this far and he will continue to plant those promises in your heart. He will not fail you or forsake you. So you remind yourself of how great he is. You remind yourself of his promises and you get with other people who remind you of his promises as well because sometimes you forget them, I forget them, and I need someone to remind me of them. I need someone to remind me of how great God is. I need someone to help me build up in hope at times. And then the next thing they do is this. Indeed, this is their continuing prayer. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Now, Back in that passage, they link these two things together because the, the passage that they quoted in the promise is, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So there's the promise. It's all in vain. They, and they, they look at what's happened. Well, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant Jesus. And guess what? He rose from the dead. So it didn't work. It failed. And there's a promise you need to remember. They plot in vain. There is an enemy who's still at work in this world, but he plots in vain. And we need to be people who gather together and remind ourselves of his promise. This is what a follower of Jesus is. A follower of Jesus is someone who continually remembers that Jesus rose from the dead. Why is that important? Because it means that he has all power. He rose from the dead. It means he has all power. And regardless of what's going on, we need to keep coming back to this. They plot in vain. The enemy plots in vain because Jesus rose from the dead. 
He's the God who turns ashes into something beautiful, it says. He turns beauty into ashes. Now, ashes are something that has been so destroyed that it bears no semblance to the thing it used to be. And God can take the ashes and rebuild it into something beautiful. God can take a dead body and raise it back to life as he did in Jesus. And that's why we're followers of Jesus, because we believe that he is the one who destroys all powers of evil and all powers of darkness. And we have to keep coming back to that because we live in this constant spiritual battle where we hopelessness can set in very, very quickly in this world. And we are people of hope. We're people of hope. That's why we're doing things like we do at Christmas, put an extraordinary amount of work into putting on a production in the city where we can bring hope to people. That's why we as a church gather around to invite as many people as we can to so that the Holy Spirit might speak to them a word of hope. It's more than entertainment. It's bringing a word of hope to people. And you can just bring them along and see what the Holy Spirit will do. We want people to have that hope because that hope actually brings honour and glory to God. So they remind themselves of this. They say it was all in vain that Herod and Pontius Pilate conspired against Jesus. But then they say this, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So here shows a deeper level of faith that they have. They have this faith that God works all things together for good. So when they saw these things happen, they didn't think, um, they remind themselves that God could take all of that. He could allow all that to happen. And then in a powerful act, in an instant, he could spin it all around, raise Jesus from the dead and destroy them. And it says in, in Colossians that Jesus nailed the powers and authorities to the cross and disarmed them publicly. So all the, all the powers of darkness, he's publicly disarmed them and shamed them on the cross. This is what they're reminding themselves of in their prayer. Bill Johnson, who's from Bethel in America, says that if you're coming to God to ask things in prayer, spend, if you've got 10 minutes, spend eight minutes in worship and then two minutes asking. And that's basically what this is. This is eight min- the eight minutes of worship, reminding ourselves of who he is, of his promises, of his goodness, that nothing can beat him, that he is the God who raised Jesus from the dead and we can put our faith and trust in him. And regardless of what has happened, God works all things together for good for those who love him and called according to his purposes. And then they ask. So basically what they're doing is they're building themselves up in faith before they ask. And we can do that collectively and sometimes you need to do that with other people because by yourself your mind can go on the wrong trajectory but with others it can be built up again. And now they ask and this is what they ask for. They say, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So this is what they ask, that they will continue to proclaim the reality of Jesus They will continue to proclaim his promises. They will continue to proclaim his hope that they will not be intimidated and that they will do it with great boldness. This is what we need every day of our lives, that we would speak to ourselves and others the amazing promises of the God who never lets us down. And the boldness is not just, um, I'm not afraid. The boldness is a confidence. It doesn't have to even be loud. If you speak something boldly, it doesn't mean that you are loud or aggressive. It just means that you are confident. You can speak it very softly, but you can still have a confidence that you know this is true. You are bold about it because you can't see any other way. This is the way. And then they're asking God to increase their faith to expect good things to happen. And they pray this, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
So what they're doing is they're saying, Can give us greater faith to put our faith and trust in your word and give us boldness, but then we're going to believe that you are going to do the signs and wonders. So even though it looks like it comes through them, they, they acknowledge where it, where it comes from. They're very conscious of always giving honour and glory to God in everything that they do. Always. Because as followers of Jesus, like these people here, we are always on show to the world and people want to see. It's not, it's not on show to prove it to people. It's, it's a way of honouring God is uh, to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, always to represent him. And it's often in your darkest times that people will be watching to see what happens in you. And that's when it that can that's when it can be very tricky, you know. I, when uh, my son Sam died, I, I just remember driving home from the hospital that day, and I was really asking God, "How was I going to live now that would still give honor to His name when everything felt so hopeless?" And I didn't want people to lose their faith because of my response. And and only God could you know could give me the strength. Doesn't mean that I suddenly leapt up. I didn't, but I just I was just conscious of the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus, and people want to know: Does following Jesus work in your worst times as well as your good times? And uh, and you just have to hang on to Him, even when you don't have all the answers, to believe that somehow He can work together for good. Because as followers of Jesus, we do bear His name, and uh, we do have a responsibility towards honouring him because he gave everything for us. And so everything we do and say and think, we do it as a representative of Jesus. And I believe we need to take that very seriously. And we all fall and we all get it wrong, but we need to be reminded of the fact that we, we carry within us the precious Holy Spirit. We carry within us the, the grace and the mercy that's been poured out for us and therefore we're called to be bearers of his name in everything that we do. And so we need to be honestly allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us through everything we go through, good and bad, that we can become more like him and go from glory to glory and encourage each other as we do that as well, being kind to one another as we do that as well. And it says here that they healed and they asked to be able so they, they prayed, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now, you can just say the name of Jesus very quickly like that and we can be so used to praying and at the end just tack off, tack on in the name of Jesus. So just before we finish, I just want to focus on this this name, the name of Jesus, what this actually means because it just doesn't mean that his name was Jesus because other people were called Jesus as well and they're still called Jesus if you go to South America. Um, and so it's, uh, it's not just that, that name, it's something about a name which you actually all understand because we have names which actually means authority. So in this world we have kings and queens and prime ministers and premiers and we have doctors and lawyers and principals and teachers and mechanics and plumbers and they all have a certain authority. So if you have um, problems with your lighting, you don't try to fix it up yourself, you call an electrician because he has some authority to work in that area. Um, if you're sick, you don't just rock up at the pharmacist to the pharmacy and say, I'm sick and I've diagnosed that I need antibiotics, please give me this brand of antibiotics. And they'll say, do you have a prescription? And you say, no. They say, well, we can't give them to you. So you have to go to your doctor and the doctor signs something and it's not the, their first and their, their surname and their first name that gives them the authority, it's the doctor name that gives them their authority. 
to do something. And so this name is a title, it's an authority. And the authority that Jesus has is the authority above all authorities. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he's proven it by rising from the dead. This is why the, the death and the resurrection are so crucial to our faith that you can learn about everything that Jesus said and did in the Gospels up to the point of his resurrection and think you're, you get it all, but you don't until you understand the power of the resurrection. It's the impossible work of God, the God of the impossible, and he has the authority over the things that we don't have authority over. And that's what these disciples were showing with the miracles, that we follow one who has authority over the things that no one else has authority over. And so the name of Jesus means the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so if you go back to that whole prayer again about the nations raging and the people's plotting in vain and the Lord who made heaven and earth, they're reminding themselves of his authority. And when they remind themselves of the authority, their faith is so built up that what they pray for actually happens. And they get out and they, they keep doing this and things keep happening and people see the authority of the name of Jesus. And this is what a follower of Jesus looks like. He's not just a nice religious person. And this is a bit scary for us because how do you do this? Like how do you make this happen? Well, you can't. And this is where you come to faith in Jesus and surrendering to Jesus, that you'll be filled to overflowing with his Holy Spirit and that miraculous things would happen through you, all sorts of miraculous things, physical things and emotional things and spiritual things and all sorts of things and financial things and a whole lot of things and everything is built on faith, on nothing else. Faith, there's a song that says our faith is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's it. It's built on that. Not on your cleverness, not on your own righteousness, not, not on your own goodness. Our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood, his sacrificial death and his righteousness that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's a follower of Jesus. And uh, it's so much more than just being a nice person. If it was being a nice person, that would be so easy. No, it wouldn't be because not, we're not really nice. We're not really nice. We just know how to act it. So let's pray. I just invite you, if you want to, you don't even have to stand, you can sit if you want to, but standing is, sometimes it's good to stand before God as a sign of honour to God and a surrender. And if you'd like to, just close your eyes. Also, if you want to, you just put your hands out in front of you. This is all just a gesture, but it's saying, I am ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, Speak to each one of us because you know how we all think. You know how each one of us thinks. You know the roadblocks in our minds. You know the things that we've always thought that you want to change. You know where you want us to step out in greater faith, have greater boldness, have greater trust in your promises. You know where it is for each one of us, Lord. We thank you that we're gathered here together to encourage each other in that, to point each other to your saving grace and your power. And so, Father, I pray, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Each one of us, Father. Each one of us, Father. Let us forget ourselves. Let's get rid of any ideas of how worthy we are of this and let's put ourselves all on one level, unworthy, except you gave your life for us on the cross and through that we've made worthy. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, fall afresh on each one of us. Help us to trust your promises, 
to acknowledge your greatness, to speak your word boldly to ourselves and to one another and to remember that you are good, always good. And Lord, through each one of us, collectively, as your body, may people see that you are real in what we say and what we do and how we live and how we forgive and how we show grace, but how we also show power. Lord, may people see that. May we be abundantly aware of your Holy Spirit within us. May we give honour to your name and carry this gift of your Holy Spirit as this massive treasure that you've invested in each one of us. And we thank you that you have invested in each one of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.